This is 92.5 Phoenix FM, community radio for Dublin 15. Hey everybody, you're listening to The Power, Andy Knowles, formerly of the Pro Wrestling Rewind on ESPN Radio, and you are listening to WrestleView right here on Phoenix 92.5. Okay, folks, you are listening to WrestleView here on Phoenix 92.5 FM or the Wrestling Rewind on the True Penny channel over on the True Penny channel on SoundCloud, iTunes, and all that good stuff. NerdToKnowMedia.com is also where you can check us out with NerdToKnowMedia on social media. iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff. We are everywhere. Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Daryl Connor. We have a very special show this week, guys. Um... I, again, I found another hard drive, which is awesome, and it means some content which I haven't listened to in about eight years. I played the rest of you chamber a couple of times, um, different shows. This one I think is like one of the first ones, and it's um, a retrospective view of the Hell in a Cell match as a concept. Check it out. It's about 45, uh, 35, 45 minutes. It's a very, very interesting, in-depth um, piece with myself, Gary, and Corey. You break it down. After that, I have an interview from 2015 when he was still in TNA before he made a jump to the WWE with Drake Maverick, uh, who's uh, who was known as Rockstar Spud. Uh, when I knew him, anyway. Uh, so it's quite an interesting, heartwarming interview to just kind of um, just kind of uh, close out the show. Haven't played it on uh, Resview, Resview International Escort and that before, so it's a it's an exclusive. Uh, yeah, guys, so check it out and uh, see you next week here on the Wrestling Rewatch. So unpredictable. How do you how do you predict what's going to happen inside the chamber?
welcome to the WrestleView International Desk here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. This is the WrestleView Chamber, where of course we take a topic and break it down. Our topic for this evening is a very, very controversial one indeed. It is all about one of the most unique matches in WWE history, and one that often gets uh, a lot more praise than it is due. It begun on the 5th of October 1997, and has run all the way up until 2012, where it now has a pay-per-view named after it. Of course, I'm talking about the Hell in a Cell match. My name is Dara O'Connor, I will be your host for this evening, joined on the line by Corey McChrystal. How are you doing, everyone? And Gary Heron. How are things? How are you, how are you doing? Alright, guys. So, welcome to the show. Um, I want to thank you both for making time to discuss this topic. Um, so, basically, what's going to happen is we're going to go through our five favourite matches and why. And then afterwards, discuss if this concept maybe needs to be scrapped or if it's still relevant in 2012. So, Gary, since you, of course... Um, brought up this topic to me um, a couple of weeks back I want to give you the floor first do you think that the Hell in a Cell uh, or why do you think the Hell in a Cell is important? Now I don't think it is as important as it was when it started out um, I think initially it was a great way to finish certain feuds um, but I'm, I'm not sold on the whole idea of gimmick pay-per-views to begin with Hell in a Cell it's kind of been diluted you know, it used to be once, maximum twice a year, and it was a huge blow-off match. And now to have a pay-per-view where, like last year, there was three Hell in a Cell matches in the space of three hours. It was just a little bit too much. Um, so I, I definitely think, going back, it was a very important concept, but now not so much. Okay. What about you, Corey? Uh, I, I would have to agree with Gary. Now it's sort of... Um it's sort of overused. I mean, giving it its own, its own pay-per-view on, it's a very short term, you know, short term reward because on the one hand you can get a few extra buys to the people who would say, oh, I wouldn't watch that match unless it was in a cell. But over, you know, over a longer amount of time, it just seems sort of ridiculous because we have feuds that just do not actually need the cell. Really, I mean, on this upcoming Hell in a Cell, who would, what feud actually warrants the what what many would consider to be the top level of feud-ending matches? Exactly, and you bring up a great point there, Corey, all about um, what feud warrants this. We have the exact opposite problem now. We actually have two matches uh, that seem shoehorned, and one that actually books them into a corner. And of course, I'm talking about the CM Punk Ryback feud. Yeah, I mean they have they've booked themselves into a corner with uh, with Punk and Ryback. Uh, the last one I heard was that Cena might be involved in the match in some way, shape, or form. Um, maybe Cena uh, costs Ryback the match, or Punk escapes. So Ryback's um, win streak is still intact. Punk still leaves with the belt. I think that's what they want in booking it in a Hell in a Cell match. They've created so much more problems for themselves. Um, and as you say, both themselves in a corner. Well, Gary, that is going to be difficult to get out of. Gary, what do you make out of the whole, well, since they are in the Hell in a Cell now and they have to come up with a creative way for Punk to leave the belt, do you not think they should just go with it now and use the Hell in a Cell with Ryback as his vehicle to the top level uh, card? Um, Eve, I, I, I don't know. Um, Are you talking about putting the belt on Ryback? Yes. Um, I... No, uh, no, I think that would, uh, 
I'm not sure. I, I, I don't think he's ready. Um, they can't really go with Ryback and Rock at um, Rumble, so that means he'll have to drop the belt before then. Mm. The next one's TLC, so he'll either drop it back to Punk or back to Cena, and I don't think a five-week or four-week run with the belt is going to help any. Um, the I, I heard an interesting one, which I thought could work, now that Punk is with Heyman, that Lesnar could come back. Lesnar could just take out Ryback. Punk escapes. And Ryback could go on to face Lesnar at uh, at Mania. Mm. Mm, I also heard build, that. Build his uh, undefeated streak, you know, to Mania. And then the biggest test for his undefeated streak would be, um, would be Brock. Now, that's interesting. That's interesting if it happens. But, of course, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. And I want to kind of dial it back a little bit to the debut. Okay. To the debut in 1997, Bad Blood, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Now, the thing about this match is, before we get into it, it has the, a gravitas about it, of course, because it was the first Hell in a Cell match. And it was kind of mired because we had the shenanigan finish with Kane, of course, coming out, ripping the door off the cell and making his debut. Yeah. But the match itself, should we include this on the list? As historically, yes. Uh, it wouldn't be top of the list. Um, but you know, it was the first and it was such, I mean, I remember watching that pay-per-view as a, uh, 10 year old and it was spectacular. The size of the cell, you know, it was just, it was so enormous. And then you were like, oh, they're never going to go up on top of it. And then they did. And then you were like, oh, well, they're never going to fall off it. And then Sean was hanging and he dropped. And then the whole cane thing was just, um, and just. Um, I'd just like to point out for listeners, to, for listeners who have not seen do, the WWF cell, uh, who have only seen the WWE cell, which encompasses oh. the ring, the WWF cell was a spectacle because yeah. it actually, imagine an actual steel cage that doesn't go around the ring, but actually is hooked to the ring, except make it taller and put a roof on it. It was and awesome. And that's what you've got. I actually really yeah. did prefer the old uh, WWF Hell in a Cell. I just looked imposing it looks so much Indeed. better i think that... chris jericho's book he goes uh, he talks quite a lot about it because it was actually chris jericho versus triple h which is what was the first new quote-unquote new hell in a cell mm. match which i in my, in my own opinion fell flat in its face and they actually changed it again as well for the uh the 2060 generation x versus mcmahon and big show match yeah that was the big Horrible looking cell with the big steel gr- uh, grids going down the center. It's horrible, but uh, it, it didn't look as imposing because you, you kind of you knew then that they were never going to break out and they were never going to go on top of the cell mm. because it was it was so much taller and it, I don't know it didn't have the same um, gravitas was the word used as uh, as the original cell. Yeah, and I I think that's the problem with it, but it's safe to say that the debut was definitely on all three of our lists. So I'm going to do is I'm going to hand it over to you, Gary, and what else is on your list there? We have four more now to get through. Um, I suppose in, in talking about Hell in a Cell, we kind of have to talk about that match, um, Taker versus Mankind, King of the Ring. Ooh, the greatest uh, lie ever told. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, you, uh, you summed it up very nicely there. Well... It's basically, I mean, we all remember these spots, the two um, uh, massive spots, every, uh, everybody, uh, the spots heard, de- heard around the world, I guess. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> if you think of it as an actual match, they didn't do two wrestling moves to yes. each other. Yeah, you're right. The, the match started yeah. off with them going up on top of the cell. 
then they there was more him. wrestling between Terry Funk and Taker. Yes. <laughs> than uh, Taker and Foley. I agree. You know, I, and even if you go back and watch it, like just buy the pay per view, buy King of the Ring 1998, and watch it. And it it is it's cringeworthy because nothing happens. They're just lying around after the big spots. You know, and what what makes it so big is because. WDB has rewritten history so much and we've seen it on the video packages and the, the recaps and the promos for the pay-per-views and everybody knows about it and Mick Foley talks about it ad nauseum but it, it as a match itself it's not amazing it's important for the story that's been told about it but as a match itself I personally would not include it in my, on my list at all I thought it had to be mentioned in talking about Hell in a Cell that uh, match in inverted commas has to be mentioned because it is like if you say Hell in a Cell to anyone who has watched wrestling for that long, that's I mean Foley flying through the air is engraved in my memory. Yes. Yes. Um, if I could get off topic, actually, I was really looking forward to this segment because I would like to re- mention the Hell in a Cell knockoff that WCW in uh, as sort of quote unquote invented the Rage in the Cage, where they tried to do this exact spot on no less than three different occasions and it never got a pop like <laughs> no matter they threw chris canyon off the top of the cage through their entrance who better than canyon and it got nothing who better than canyon oh god positively canyon <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing i mean if you think of wrestling as in the same terms you think of music this match was a uh, extraordinarily popular hit but it wasn't a very technically proficient. And I'm not saying I was expecting Queensbury rules or, you know, a catch-as-catch-can wrestling classic, but there was very little storytelling in this match. Yeah, we just well, watched a man try to kill himself twice. <laughs> well, to be fair, <laughs> one of those wasn't planned. Yeah, you know, this is true. That's the thing. And that caught everybody by surprise. But it, it's still it, it's still interesting to see that, like, to notice that everybody really really remembers probably the worst hell in a cell match oh yeah from an actual in-ring from an in-ring perspective most definitely but it's historically it will go down as the most well known yeah and i i I will uh, i will give you that so uh gary what what's uh third on the list there uh another mick foley entry but this time is cactus jack uh against triple h um, no Way Out 2000. The 27th of February. That yes. will stick with me forever. I remember watching this match uh, and being so invested in this whole storyline. I think this is when I really start getting invested into storylines um, more so than anything else. And it, it just... It was amazing. I remember everything going into it. I remember the awesome Royal Rumble match that they had. And I think this... Uh. That Royal Rumble match was unreal. Yeah, it was. It still is. It's still, it's still phenomenal. But to, ha- to have this afterwards as the cap of the feud, and we're not going to talk about WrestleMania, what happened afterwards, but still, to have yeah. this as, as the cap, it really served its purpose and really came to know why we think of Hell in a Cell as a big deal. Most definitely. Um, and, yeah, I, it was billed as, you know, if... If Cactus Jack lost, that was it. He was done. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, that added to the fact that it was a Hell in a Cell match. Um, it just it it added so much more weight to it. Yeah. Uh, and and once again, off the back of such a, a a very good street fight at the Royal Rumble the month previous, um, you were kind of 
thinking, how are they going to top this? And then the cell was, well, it was the perfect, um, the perfect match to cap off this feud. Mm. Corey? Uh, I'd just like to say, after this match, Mick Foley never stepped in the ring again. And that's the story <laughs> I like to stick to. That's a good story. That's a good story to stick to. This this match, I I mean, you guys summed it up after that, you know, after that brutal street fight. This was really, the, this is how you use a Hell in a Cell. When you don't think you can get much, much, you know, more vicious, you put it in a cell. And now it seems like they, it, they're they just going through the motions. But this match in particular, it as opposed to the last match we talked about between Undertaker and uh uh, mankind at that at that time uh this one was a lot more planned i mean they planned to put mcfoley through through the cell you know they these so mcfoley wasn't in as much danger then again it was the first time i'd seen the barbed wire bat and if i'm not mistaken they did also s- set it on fire yes they did in yeah. that match yeah. which you know like watching it back it's not as impressive at the time, or it's not as impressive as it seemed at the time, but at the time it was no it was just the most vicious match I had ever seen. I remember thinking that too, and again, you know, the Royal Rumble set that bar pretty high, but once you have two guys in the cell, there's something about it, it creates an atmosphere. And throughout the whole night the fact it was looming over and we all knew it was coming when it eventually did it just it was amazing probably one of the best uh gimmick matches in recent memory so moving on to number four what's number four on the list gary undertaker versus no mercy 2002 Corey, that's uh that was the match that made brock lesnar i think into an unstoppable killing machine (laughs) or at least seem like it i mean granted there was a bit of there was a bit of dust on the finish what with the whole uh Paul Heyman interferences and things like that. Mm. But, I mean, looking at Taker's Hell in a Cell record, he's been in 12 of them and he's only won six. But at the time, he was billed as, like, the Hell in a Cell. Like, if you're putting somebody in a Hell in a Cell and Undertaker's there, you're essentially sending them to hell. That's mm. that's what that's the Kool-Aid WWE wanted us to drink. And granted, I drank it. I mean, it was that match made Brock Lesnar for me. The ending of the match, even though it was dusty, Undertaker still was was beaten around the place. Uh, he uh, Brock Lesnar was really well put over there. He he didn't come off. Um, wasn't luck. It was just brutality. Like the Brock picked Taker up and flipped him over his head. Yeah. Onto his shoulders for the F five. And bear in mind, this is when Taker was carrying a bit of extra timber. Mm. Like. Taker was well over 300 pounds at that time. Yeah, and, and, he, for, and he wasn't posing. Like, the Undertaker was really going for this, he's going to beat the crap out of you. you know, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, like, he, he, he was physically probably, he was in the best shape of his career. He was so imposed and he was so big. Mm. And Brock just, I mean, Brock ragdolled him, flipped him up on top of the shoulders and hit the F5. I mean, the physicality and, I mean... uh that, an interesting point about this match. This was the first match that I showed to my girlfriend because I thought if she could stomach that amount of blood, we'd be all right. She'd be able to watch any kind of wrestling. <laughs> That's a good barometer. Well, it was either that or uh, JBL against Eddie Guerrero 
um, in the bull rope match, Oof. you know, when JBL cracks Eddie on the head yeah. and he was just spewing. Um, but no, I mean, it, but it was, yeah, I, I, and I totally agree with Corey that this kind of, it solidified Brock's meteoric rise at the time. And he was like, okay, this guy really is a player. Okay. Well, f- from there, we have one more left. So, Gary, I think this one's going to be the most controversial one. Go for it. Uh, I was deliberating, and I was between two, uh, the final ones to add to the list. I have the aforementioned Triple H versus Chris Jericho that uh, Corey said fell flat on its face. And the other one I have is uh, Shawn Michaels versus Triple H from Bad Blood 2004. Okay. So it was a toss-up for the last place on the list. So did did you end up picking one, or was it just it it's a tie between the two? It's a t- it's a tie. I think I I'd probably lean more towards HPK and Triple H. The only thing that I really really like about uh, Triple H and Jericho that it finished on top of the cell. And, and because Chris Jericho was on, was in it, probably. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can, can I just explain my position a bit? Please. Right. Yes. In Chris Jericho's autobiography, he talks about how there had been this cult of brutality built um, around the Hell in a Cell. And it was more about spots than it was about the actual cell. And yes. Triple H and himself wanted to make the match more about, you know, them being literally afraid of the cell itself and that wasn't really a um that wasn't really something i buy into if you know what i mean as a a wrestling fan because uh if i'm not mistaken the was this for the uh wwe title no no i don't think so it wasn't what was so was triple h the uh heel or was uh jericho because they're just, just both so... Well, at this time, Chris Jericho being a heel was kind of shocking. Yeah, Jericho was the heel because uh, that was it was in the year where H came back. Yeah, but when he came back from the tour in Quadricep, uh, he fought for the title, I thought. At Mania, this was Judgment ah, Day. Yes. He dropped the title, didn't he? Yes, he dropped, he the, dropped it to Hogan. He dropped to Hogan, yeah. And, yes. uh, Hogan and Undertaker were feuding at that point. Yeah. Ah, yes. They got the nice belt where Jericho had to look around the two belts. Oh, I, 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 to be honest, just getting off a side point, I preferred that. I thought it was you cool. You preferred the H and Jericho? The two belts, yeah. I just think it looked cool. But that's just a, that's just a preference. That's just a preference. And we're not, we're not getting off on that topic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's a, that's a controversial one. And I, I did kind of like the Jericho-Triple H feud, but just because it was Jericho in it, and I'm a huge fan of Jericho, very much like you, Gary. And it was yeah, cool yeah. to see, you know, the Walter Jericho done up on top. But as far as a match goes from bell to bell, Michaels and Taker. No, sorry, Michaels and Triple H. Awesome. Yeah, in the 2004. I mean, that was that was such a good match. So are we are we agreed that that, that one is the end? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll agree on Triple H. Oh, yes. The feud turned off feuds. Mm. Yes. Or at least in Triple H's opinion. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about this. Why is this on the list, Gary? Um, I was always really, really invested in HBK Triple H feuds. I really liked them. Um, and I, I always thought they brought the best out in each other. Um, apart from the Taker match, HBK hasn't... I mean, he was in the Hell in a Cell against... And... 
and Big Show, but uh, I think this was his definite his best Hell in a Cell match. And next to H's match with Cactus Jack, I think this is probably up there, um, tied with that as H's best outing from bell to bell. Yeah, I I would agree. I think um, they get it. This is when they get it right. There's been from time to time they just haven't been able to do it properly. But I think this very much like the Cactus Jack match. It had everything it needed. You had Shawn Michaels. Uh, probably what I think was the peak of his career. Triple H, the peak of his career, going in, in the best setting. I think it was a, a match made in, or I think they called it a match made in hell or something at that time, but it definitely was, yeah, um, yeah. I think it was a, a pinnacle of Hell in a Cell. I would, I would probably agree. I mean, uh, it, was, it was sort of before uh, Hell in a Cell kind of became a... Uh, kind of became a, a a name that WWE just slaps on matches every year mm. um it's it's become very compartmentalized so but when you know when you get two guys like Tri- Triple H I do knock him quite a lot but he he can work yeah uh, and Shawn Michaels great one of the greatest in-ring performers that's ever laced up a pair of boots I mean when you put those two guys inside a cell you're you're going to really get what you pay for Exactly, and and we did, you know, we we did, and I think um, that kind of, so are we all in agreement that our five matches are uh, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, Undertaker versus Mankind, Cactus Jack versus Triple H, and then uh, Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker, and then uh, Triple H versus Shawn Michaels at Bad Blood 2004. Can I just ask one question? Yes, sir. Oh. (laughs) End of an era. Why not? End of, oof. Yeah, Undertaker Triple H. Um, I would give it an honorable mention, but I would not put it on the list. Yeah, but it's on your list. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so uh, we're gonna wrap up the rest of this segment on the Internet Only Sorry, Show. Av- after that question, I can just imagine hundreds of CW marks saying, "Why didn't they mention the cages of death?" <laughs> Cage of death, more than symbol, hell in a cell. <laughs> that's a different topic for another day so everybody I want to thank uh, Gary and Corey for coming on Phoenix FM 2.5 we will see you next week here on the broadcast next Friday 9pm if you want the rest of this show please go over to rescue.com every Saturday for free as part of the rest of you radio network we'll see you next week Hey guys, this is Daryl O'Connor from the Rest of You International Desk. I hope you guys are enjoying this free podcast as part of the Rest of You Radio Network here on RestofYou.com. Now I'm just going to talk a little bit about the Rest of You VIP Network. Um, basically, for as little as 16 cents a day, US dollars, you get a wrestling show every single day of the week. Now for European listeners and of course listeners in my part of the world, uh, that's 12 cents in Euro for a wrestling show every single day of the week. And on Sundays, if there's a pay-per-view, you get two shows. Of course, we kick things off with Recipe Radio on Monday. Uh, Tuesday, Recipe Telemundo. Wednesday, the free Recipe Radio. 
uh, Thursday, the Independent Roundtable, which discusses everything in the world of independent wrestling. Where else are you going to get that? Friday, the rest of you, Friday Fishbowl, which takes questions from you guys, the rest of you VIP. You send them in, uh, we read them out and discuss them. Saturday, my show, the rest of you International Desk, which of course looks at everything. We have discussions with people from outside rest of you and inside rest of you as well in the Ozone. Uh, you get the best of the Phoenix FM show and you get special reports and everything. Uh, on Sunday, you get the Teacher's Lounge, a very, very fun show. And of course, on Sundays, if there are is a pay-per-view you'll get a full recap there also as well we have conference calls and also spotlight interviews with uh personalities from the world of professional wrestling and other things as well sometimes if there's ring of honor pay-per-views you get those recaps purely from a value point of view 12 cents a day 16 cents if you're in the u.s you get a wrestling show every single day of the week and that's just amazing value of course as well it gives you a chance to connect with people who enjoy what you enjoy what i enjoy professional wrestling at the end of the day that's why you're on wrestleview that's why you're checking the spoilers that's why you're reading the news so why not join us here if you're listening to this free podcast or another free podcast of course you get two free podcasts anyway uh, wrestleview radio and the international desk but if you want to check out the archives i encourage you to sign up at vip.wrestleview.com Sign up now, guys. It is well worth the money. Alright guys, before the break, um, we were talking about a couple other matches that's away from the list. Um, Corey, you brought up End of an Era, Undertaker versus Triple H. I would like to bring up uh, one or two, if I may. Go on. I really, um, really, really enjoyed the big boss man, Undertaker. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I would like to mention Mankind versus Kane on Raw. I thought that was a very, very cool match, a very, very interesting match that they did there. And it kind of set the scene uh, for a development of that feud. I always thought a feud that was um, really underwhelming as far as the public perception was Mankind versus Kane. But we did not talk about the six-man Hell in a Cell at Armageddon 2000. What do we think about yeah. this? Do we think this, um, is, this is worth the buzz that it got and what it received nowadays? Or do we think it, it was just kind of there? Gary? Uh, I always thought it was a bit of a cluster expert. Um, there was just too much going on in the confined space. It, it like I, I went back and I watched a hell of a, a hell in a cell match just mm. for this you know, to 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 discuss about this. Um, and watching it now, it's definitely it hasn't held up. Um, Before it's it was time. Just, 
before its time. And remember the feud going into it. Remember going into it. There was a, uh, there were so many different interweaving interweaving streams that was happening. You know, you had the whole yeah, uh, was Rikishi the thing, Rikishi and Rock stuff, yeah. and and Stone Cold Steve Austin, and yeah. Undertaker just going around. People basically just taking each other out, and then Kurt Angle wanting the belt. And Kurt Angle actually did win this one in the end, which was I remember being very, very annoyed at that at a kid, a kid, eleven year old kid when I was watching this. But um, I thought for its time it was very, very good and very unique way to play on this concept. But I agree with you as far as a a time honored match, it's it's really degraded. Yeah, it it, it hasn't held up well. Um, like I remember watching it and you know being into it because it was the first time we'd ever seen that many people mm. in the cell and it was there was an air of what well, anybody can win you know because yeah. usually like you, you used to always think uh, if taker's in it taker's gonna win yeah and yeah. then it got to a stage where if when triple h was in it triple h was gonna win but adding the other variables into it it was it was open like i mean it wasn't so far-fetched to think rikishi could have won when we were that age and we were watching it that's you know? true and when it was still real to everybody damn it <laughs> but um, another one as well that I'm surprised didn't make anybody's list Undertaker versus Randy Orton from 2005 Armageddon can I just go back to your Kane and Mankind one yes sir, yes, sir. Uh, I watched that two nights ago uh, it, that is a good match <laughs> it is a good match I really yeah. enjoyed it I thought it was great it's just people don't remember it because it didn't happen on a pay-per-view yeah because it was on Raw like it, it is it's one of the forgotten cell matches um, but uh, like the premise was really good because they were tag team partners going in. Yes, they were, and, and they also had one tag team gold as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and so and but Vince was trying to disrupt all the harmony and all this, so he put them in the cell. Uh, no, it was a good match, you know. It was a very good match, you know, because they had an in, they had a whole little interesting storyline going, forced feud. Um, and then ever since then they were kind of feuding but not feuding then tagging but not tagging it, it was just really really interesting it was one of the times during the Attitude Era when it shouldn't have been good but it was but it was you know yeah. it's crazy it, only the WWE or the WWF at the time could actually pull that off definitely and I don't think something like that has been done since here's another one as well Gary Vengeance 2005 Batista versus Triple H oh um, yeah. Controver- uh, controversial I know I know but no, this... I mean, it, it was a good match, you know. Batista was always one of those guys who always wrestled to the level of the person he was facing. Um, so, like, when he was with Triple H, he had really good matches. When he was with Taker, he had really good matches. When he was with Edge, he had good matches. And when he was with Cena, they were just terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it, it, it was... Yeah, it was a decent match. I thought at that stage, I thought we'd seen too much Batista Triple H. I thought maybe if they had done the Hell in a Cell a pay per view earlier, maybe it would have been better. Um, I think by that stage, I was just sick of seeing Agent Batista, Agent Batista, Agent Batista. I would, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, I think it, 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 it was the beginning of seeing something too often. And it's kind of ironic that it was in a Hell in a Cell when Hell in a Cell was still important, you know. And nowadays, it is, we've seen it too often. Um, before we bring it full circle, one I'm amazed, Gary, because I know you're a huge fan of this guy, Kevin Nash Triple H. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love Michael? Nash, but I don't love him because of his of his in ring, you know, ability. Um, was that the one with the guest? Yes, that was the one with Sean as the guest ref. Yeah, and he got his hair cut, didn't he? Nash got his hair yeah, cut. Yeah, because he had just done the Punisher movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, uh, that's, to me, that's another forgotten one, uh, along with Kane and Mankind. <laughs> uh, yeah, but for different reasons. That match was not for, good. For, oh, for, total, for total different reasons, yeah. I just think that has sentimental value to you, that's all. It does. I mean, I love Nash as much as the next man. Um, <laughs> more but, than the next man. <laughs> probably a little more than the next man but definitely not from an in-ring um in-ring ability definitely uh, no that's that's why that match was omitted and i kind of hope that you wouldn't bring it <laughs> <laughs> okay so we'll move swiftly on in recent years of course the pay-per-view has come out and you know um there's there's the whole big thing about it now you know they build up to it and we usually only see hell in a cell matches at that pay-per-view except for wrestlemania where we had the end of an era and that was kind of cool and surprising that they broke that out uh, one match that I think defines why a Hell in a Cell needs to be gotten rid of is Sheamus versus Randy Orton. Christ, that, was that match was yeah, that match was terrible. Um, it was a match in the ring where he couldn't really see because of the cell. They didn't go outside once; they just were there. The cell was yeah, just a prop. I mean, you could say the same about Punk and Taker. Oh, I was going to. I will. That match upset me a great deal. <laughs> Um, you know, like it, 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 you, 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 you've made a very good point to me on numerous occasions that it shouldn't be called hell in a cell. It should just be called match in a cell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, match in a cell and, because that's all it is. My, but I mean that that that's the way it's gone. It, it's an in-ring match where it's difficult. I imagine it's going on through this ungodly structure, um, and on TV it doesn't play out well. And Corey, do you want to get in there? Um, I just have to say, I, I completely agree when uh, uh, Gary says that these matches, they don't shoot well. They don't, like, they don't really, like, if you actually see a Hanna Cell, they have holes for the camera, cameras, and there are cameramen in the ring. Yeah. But in the Attitude Era, they couldn't have cameramen in the ring because, obviously, the, the, the ring is the cell. So the cell match doesn't shoot well. And it's got to be really difficult for the audience. I can, only, I can only imagine what that's like. You know, Adam Martin has touched on this um, because they were there for the, the end of an era. Um, him, Tedesco and Doug Lackey. But I, I can only imagine <laughs> the viewpoint of that. It's just, it's like, oh, I can't see anything at all. It just obstru- obstructs my view completely. And I suppose you can put up with that when, you know, you know you're going to see it on TV and they're going to go out and you're going to get the big spots. That's probably why he went outside in the first place. But now it's yes. just, I don't know, I would be for never seeing this match again as a pay-per-view and never seeing it for years at a time. Because remember, up before Judgment Day 2002, we hadn't seen it for like two years. Uh-huh. This is, tr- this is true. And then again, it took a bit of a break for a year. We'd only see it once a year, maybe twice a year. And now... It's it is every single year, but multiple times at the Hell in a Cell pay per view. You usually have two Hell in a Cell matches: the World Heavyweight Title and the WWE Title. And I would be of the and opinion sometimes that third, sometimes a third. Like some, they had DX and Legacy. Yes, you're along right. With the two title matches as well. Oh so, God, oh, never God. mention DX and a <laughs> Hell in a Cell match again. I'm still trying to whitewash the the you know the mat classic that was the handicap <laughs> match of Shane and Vince McMahon and Big Show 
versus DX. Oh, oh it's so bad. <laughs> D- DX, the run they had when they came back, the new and improved DX. Ooh, that's a doozy. New when and improved DX. Whenever you add new to anything, it never works. The yeah. new Rock and Roll Express, the new and improved DX. The only time it worked was New Age Outlaws, and that's yes. because there wasn't an Age Outlaws, you know? I don't know, and I, I, I think, you know, they really need to start rethinking this because I hate to use the whole cliche, they're damaging the prestige of the match, but they kind of are. Yeah, I mean, it, like, it, the TLC uh, as a gimmick premise is different because you can have a TLC match, you can have a ladder match, you can have a table match, or you can have a chairs match. The Epoch chairs match. Yeah, <laughs> but... Uh, you, there you have, you know, four options. Whereas a Hell in a Cell, it has to be a Hell in a Cell. You know, so I, if you if, if you see on the card, there's going to be three Hell in a Cell matches. It 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 doesn't work. Like I I remember watching you know, take Bobby and sorry take Cactus Jack and Triple H, and being so invested in that. But like, if I had seen two Hell in a Cell matches before that match, I wouldn't have been as invested. Because you would have been, been like, "Oh God, I have to sit through another one of these." You would have been burned out, very much like the Elimination Chamber as well. Uh, when it's two Elimination Chambers, you don't really care. Two Money in the Bank matches. I don't know why you think this is a good idea, but I hope I hope this trend will end soon. Because if not, then it's going to come to a point when they destroy what they've built. Uh, do you, know, you know? Do you know why WWE thinks it's a good idea? Why? Because. All the Vesk loved WWCW War Games. He loved it. It was a, it was a, or not War Games, World War Three. Oh, and Jesus, no. Yeah, the the three, the three ca- rings, the three ma- the three cages connected together. Oh, he loved that. No, he was talking about bringing that back for years. Why don't we bring? Why don't they bring back War Games? That makes more sense than the the three rings World War Three thing. Wait, War Games was the three rings, wasn't it? Uh, War Games was the two rings. Uh, World War Three was the three rings. So ba- same basic premise, just you double the amount of rings. Or... Uh, n- doubled and and the amount of wrestlers, so you got a lot more jobbers in World War Three. Ah, yeah, sixty um, in that compared to thirty, wasn't it? Yeah. Actually, can I ask you guys a question? Whenever, uh, whenever they debuted Elimination Chamber, did you guys just think, why don't they just have another Armageddon Hell in a Cell match? I didn't, but that's a good point. Yeah, I, I I really liked the whole premise of the chamber. Yeah, I I, I think the, I think the chamber was needed for that match, but it's 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 slowly but surely uh, wearing it. It's welcome. I think the I think they haven't come up with a good with an idea um, better than the Hell in the Cell, but they need to because it's from a different time period. You can't necessarily use it in the same way that it's supposed to be used. I think Elimination Chamber was supposed to be that stopgap, but it just hasn't worked. Um, no, unfortunately, but they are never. It, it, it has more work now. It's that they're doing two in a night. Yes, and that's why it's not working. They need to come up with some better idea, and I don't know what it is, but hopefully, um, we will get it fairly soon because I'm not expecting uh, Hell in a Cell to be perceived as any kind of importance when it's two in one night, as you said, Gary. You're on in the year, you know, when they released the pay per view um, list of the year. Yeah. Hell in a Cell wasn't on it, and then it was scheduled back to being Hell in a Cell. Okay, so um, we're just going to leave it there. So, guys, if uh, Gary, I want to thank you so much for coming on. No uh, problem, anytime. 
no worries and uh, everybody else st stay tuned because we have a lot coming up on this show this show is jam-packed we're going to have uh, an interview with Doug Lackey coming up right after this break and then we're going to have Game for a Laugh with Dave Roberts so guys this is the rest of the International Nest here on WrestleView.com Hey, Spud, how's it going, man? I'm fine, thank you, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm good, I'm good. It's a nice rainy day in Ireland, so... Oh, well, well no, no better here, mate. No better here. It's bloody London, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> you know. Hey, you've got a good with the rain. I've had to deal with a tube and the British bloody rail. Oh, very nice. That's not fun. <laughs> That's never fun. They're moaning about nothing. Just just general Britishness. moaning. <laughs> Just moaners in with sorry. Yeah. Or maybe it's just me. I don't know. That, that, <laughs> I think that's just British oils in general. Ireland's the same. Moan about <laughs> nothing. You find a, you find it in America and you realise how much what moaners Brits are when you move to America. Because Americans don't moan at any, or maybe it's where I live. They just don't moan about anything. Like, <laughs> oh, oh well, don't worry about it. But yeah, it's definitely the South, I think it's me. I don't know. I like the South the South's always good. So uh oh, pretty good pretty good stuff over there, mate. I'm uh, looking forward to heading back. Good to hear, man. Good to hear. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about your work now as an ambassador for the Starlight Group. Yeah, man. That's that's pretty cool, man. How did that come about? Um, that came about honestly. I was really taken aback when they said to me that that's what they wanted to do. But it was, um, you know, I, I met Regan in uh, J July, and uh, it was just the most rewarding and amazing thing that I've ever done in this industry, and probably will ever do going forward in this industry. Um, yeah. But they said to me, "We'd like you to." be an ambassador for our company because just the um they've they felt that i went above and beyond and i i really don't feel i did because you know i'd do that for any child uh, i i think pro wrestling is an amazing avenue for children because no matter what prop and for any person really no matter what problems you got going on in your day you can you know wrestling can make you smile it can make you think of you know take that off your brain and stuff and entertain you and the the beauty of our business is putting smiles on people's faces and you know that's what this company does as well um for you know terminally ill and sick children it's just uh it's an incredible company to even be you know asked to grant a wish to a kid let alone being an ambassador role mm. so we, we're um we're, we're currently planning a lot of things in regards to like uh, parties for the kids and stuff i know regan's going to be coming on the tour to see me which is like really cool as well hopefully i can um, you know make his day then but then we've got, you know, the, like I was speaking to some of the girls today and they call them wish granters here. Imagine okay. turning up to work and you're called a wish granter. It's amazing. Like you're a fairy. That's the best job ever. So they come to work and, and this one woman's gone to Lapland with 12 families. It's Christmas, so you can guess where they're going to, who they're going to see, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, one, one girl that used to, um, you know, be under Starlight, Okay. Uh, she now works here because she's so been so devoted to it since she was a child. She got to meet Johnny Depp. Wow. So this is why when Regan is older, I'm going to be saying to him, what were you thinking? You could have 
why, why, why me? You could have met anyone. What are you doing? But like, he's um, it's just a wonderful company, mate. And it, I'm at the offices now, and if you'd meet the people, and uh, I feel quite taken aback because obviously I'm in the pro wrestling business, and it's the saltiest business at best. But when you get all these lovely people just coming up to you and paying compliments to you and thanking you for sending a tweet and stuff like that, it's just really, really sweet and just. You know, it, it's going to be definitely the most rewarding thing I'll ever take away from being in this industry, I think. And there, there are unique... There, Sorry, go on. Before I stop you, if there, if there is anyone at home, save me doing this at the end. Like, you can you can donate to this um, if you text 70070 and uh, just text WISH35 and the amount you want to uh, donate. Because, you know, it, even, you know, three quid, it's a cup of coffee at Starbucks, so... Mm. You know, forget forget all that. Go home and put boiling water in a bag with some granules. You know, instead of put, spend that money on a, you know, making a kid happy, and just making a kid smile because you know that, that's what this place does, and it all goes to a great great cause. And you know, what you know, other other otherwise you just you know putting money down the drain. This is the place where the money should be going. Right, and it's a uniquely UK group, isn't it? It's like absolutely, yeah. Okay, so compared to like other groups, that would be more a worldwide thing. This is a direct thing that people can give to yeah. and it'll help kids uh, yes, in the UK. Star, Starlight um, is, is a, it's a global company. There's ones in Australia, there's ones in America as well. But this one is uniquely the United Kingdom, the one that I'm giving you the text number for. Okay. So it's it, it, it's just, you know, help put smiles on kids' faces. It doesn't matter what time of year. And, you know, it's, it's like I say, that's the beauty with our business. But look, there was one little girl that just wanted to be a princess. And or feel like a princess, and she went out with the family. And when she came home, they decorated her, her room and she just had like a princess's room. And it's just something wow. so small as that, you know. It, 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 if it's three pounds, thirty pounds, if it's thousands of pounds to fly a family out to Lapland, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It just these kids get what they want for one day, and that's pretty cool, I think. That's amazing. You know, it's it's amazing work that they're doing there. And I think if more people did stuff like that, the world would be a, a better place. You know. I say this and. You know, the, the first per- people that you congratulate me on it were the Blossom Twins, and there's no two girls in the world that, you know, personified that more than anything because they're just the nicest people, and, you know, th- they really rubbed off on me during British Boot Camp mm. about stuff like that because they're two of the most genuinely nice people I've ever met, and they're, they're former school teachers and absolutely love children. And I absolutely love kids. I have no kids of my own, but I absolutely love kids. And, you know, I'd do anything just to make a kid laugh or smile or anything like that, you know. So that really rubbed off on me on British Bootcamp 1, then Blossom Twins. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> well, you know, that's something the TNAs always really kind of uh, work towards is like, you know, helping kids and really integrate young fans yeah. and stuff like that as well. So it's really cool to kind of um, see it kind of go full circle now as well. Like what's the, um, what's Starlight's involvement going to be with the UK tour coming up now in January? Well, I'm, I already have um, a suit and my ring attire made up to um you know to have the logos of the starlight company all over it right um just just a awareness you know when you get to the um when you get to the starlight um excuse me when you get to the uk tour you're going to see flyers for starlight all over the building but you know we're just getting in the process of designing those flyers just so to raise awareness really and um just you know if, if you know if if a few thousand people turn up to the arenas. That's a few thousand people that donate a pound, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. So you know, what what what's a quid on a day like that? Just you know, drop a text, 
do us all a favour and just you know just uh, send that in for us, and um, hopefully that can raise the awareness on social media as well of this great company. And the more awareness we get for them, the more wishes that can be granted for these kids. Cool. Uh, is it going to be something that's going to be on the the TV program as well on Challenge? Like, is there going to be ads through it, or is it just you know a, a live event kind of social media kind of thing? I think it'll be more live event than social media. Um, you know that, that 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 that's my aim with it as well because the, you know we, the more we get the word out there, the better. Um, obviously, I'll be wearing the gear on, uh, on you know, on the TV show all the time, so hopefully people will pick it up from there. Okay, very cool. And I'm assuming there's going to be some kind of, like, uh, merch stuff on there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, speaking of the, of the tour, Spud, um, what's in the pipeline? What's coming up? I ain't got a bloody clue. All I know is that we're going to be at uh, Manchester Arena on the 29th. We're going to be in Wembley Arena on the 30th, which is my birthday. I'll be 33 years old. Ring presents. And then, <laughs> and then on the 31st of January, we're going to be back in Birmingham for, for me. And uh, two years ago, I got to wrestle in the building that I always wanted to wrestle in, which was the NIA, now the Barclay Arena. But the um, it, it really, really is like the most special arena for me because it's my hometown. And I used to work opposite the building mm. at Brent Base uh, for Lloyd's TSB. So I... I used to just daydream looking out the window and like, I really want to wrestle there, blah, blah. But that's when I used to get in trouble because I wasn't concentrating on my work, more of this daydream. But it happened two years ago and I um, I had a blast. But I returned to Birmingham as Dixie Carter's chief of staff. Mm. This time I'm returning home as the ultimate underdog. So, uh, you know, hoping for a hero's welcome or uh, any kind of welcome that's positive. But uh, if not... We'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but I'm really looking forward to wrestling in my hometown again. Are you excited about going back as a face rather than a heel like you were last time? Uh, for, for selfish reasons and getting absolute uh, overwhelmed with uh, adulation, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, at least you're honest. That That's good, man. You know, you know what I mean? You know what I, mean? I'm, I, I ain't going to lie to you. I, I, I want For one day, let me be the hero, please. Just just let me, let me bask in this. If... if you know, if my entrance is only allowed uh, five minutes and they're still cheering, I'm probably just gonna so, no, don't don't start the guys' music yet. Just hang on. I'm sure they can love me a bit more, <laughs> more, 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 and then that'll be my fix for the year. Oh, that's all I'll need. Well, at least they'd be on TV as well. You know, that's pretty cool because there are like double TV tapings. You know what I mean? I'm on the I'm on the telly, mate. This is the best. It's mm. the best job ever. Looking forward, look, really looking forward to it, man. It's gonna be like the UK tour or something. I look forward to every yeah. single year. Yeah, it's um the guys the guys and girls always like really pull it out, but on the UK tour they really pull it out. So you know, there's no better roster than our roster with TNA. So you know, if you if you don't go, you're potentially missing the final matches of Kurt Angle with us as well. So uh, you know, you don't you don't want to be missing that because he's phenomenal. He's, mm. he's one of the, he's one of the best in the world, and if not the best in the world, definitely the best I've been in the ring with. So I'm. Uh, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited because I'll be the I'll be the one at the front of the monitor watching every match Kurt has. Fantastic, and uh, just to round things out as well, this is like a new chapter for TNA uh, in the states. Anyway, nothing really changes here in the UK, but in the states with Pop TV, what's the kind of feeling backstage with uh, the new TV deal and you know going into uh, the new phase for TNA? Everyone's happy, everyone's positive, and this looks like a more. This looks like the channel's more. You know the kind of. Uh, Kind of market that we really need to kick into, like a lot, you know, a lot, a lot more demographics actually watch this channel, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, Jesus Christ, the potential that the, uh, Dawson's Creek and that '70s shows on there. I mean, can you imagine if I met Pacey 
If I met, uh, <laughs> you know, if I met Joey, Katie Holmes, that would be the best. I mean, a lot older than what they were doing Dawson's Creek, but can you imagine the potential? It's um, crossover to it. I think I think it's I think it's a uh, a channel that's catered to our a, a lot of the age ranges, especially in uh, the you know teens to uh, early thirties. So. I think it's a great demographic for pro wrestling. Hopefully, it opens our eyes up. You know, opens eyes up to our product a lot more. Um, we we lost a bit of momentum once we came off Spike, so hopefully mm. we can regain that with the amount of homes we're going to be in. But wonderful channel to be on, and uh, may or may not already have a suit with uh, the pop logo on. But uh, you'll see that when uh, we uh, air live on the fifth of January. Brilliant! Looking forward to it, man. It's going to be cool. Um, it, it, everything that's happening now, TNA seems to be back on. Uh back on a strong footing so um, I hope it continues into t- uh, 2016 it will definitely mate we're in a we're in a real good place right now so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the feedback from everybody else and when you guys watch it brilliant okay man well thank you so much for your time and uh, hopefully I'll see you in the UK you will indeed sir thank you very much for your time cheers man Bye. thanks okay guys that's gonna do it for this edition of WrestleView here on Phoenix 92.5 FM WrestleView.com and nerdtoknowmedia.com here on WrestleView.